Whether you operate one forklift or thousands, one location or hundreds, the new My Toyota customer portal can help you optimize your operation and material handling equipment. This one-stop, free-to-use platform is designed to help you take control of your information and make smarter decisions, all at the touch of a button. Register and access your data today at my.toyotaforklift.com. That's my.toyotaforklift.com. The New Warehouse Podcast, hosted by Kevin Lawton, is your source for insights and ideas from the distribution, transportation, and logistics industry. A new episode every Monday morning brings you the latest from industry experts and thought leaders. And now, here's Kevin. Hey, it's Kevin Lawton with the New Warehouse Podcast, bringing you a new episode today. And on today's episode, I am going to be joined by Kate Terry. She is the Chief Commercial Officer at Outer Space. And Outer Space is a 3PL focused on high-touch brand experiences and, and customer experiences. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about what differentiates them from, from other 3PLs and, and a little bit more about that that customer experience and creating these memorable shopping experiences and how your warehousing provider can help you to accomplish that and, and be a growth generator and not necessarily just a means to an end, I guess you could say. So we're going to dive a little bit into that with Kate here. So, Kate, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Definitely. Good. Happy to have you on here. Um, happy to talk to you. Definitely. I think uh, we got intro by way of uh, Joe Spizak. Uh, so shout out to Joe and the Fulfill.com team. Great guy. Um, but tell us a little bit about uh, Outer Space and, and what it is that you guys are all about. We know you're a 3PL, but, but give us a little more. Yeah, sure. So Outer Space was born out of sort of the frustration, actually, of our founders who are brand owners themselves. So they have their own brand called Nice Laundry. And after being with a few different 3PLs, they decided to bring all the fulfillment in-house. And they not only did fulfillment, but they also did a tremendous amount of personalization, which is kind of core to the Nice Laundry brand. Mm -hmm. And after bringing it in-house and doing it really well. They had some other brands come to them and say, hey, could you do our fulfillment? So after doing a few brands, they thought, oh, let's spin this off with the whole premise of, you know, we would like to run the operation the way we would want to be treated if we were the brand. Mm. I too come from the brand side. So we do try and make sure that people on our side have that sort of brand um, empathy and understanding. And that's really a, a large way that we run outer space. So it's a full service 3PL. I would say it's started out as mostly direct to consumer and now it's multi-channel, mm. national footprint, um, the works basically. Interesting, interesting. And and yeah, I, I think it's very interesting. I talked to a, a few 3PLs recently and, and that's how a lot of them have started where, you know, they were the brand themselves and they didn't like their experience or, or what they had gone through and, and decided to, to do it themselves. So I, I'm curious from your perspective or Nice Laundry's perspective too, I mean, what were some of the the challenges or, or things that kind of were really pushing them over the edge to say like, you know what, like we've, we've had it, we're going to do this ourselves. Yeah. I would say one of the biggest ones is probably the lack of transparency mm. for a lot of three pills. It's sort of an adversarial relationship. It's just by nature. It's just sort of, I'm the vendor and you're the client. And so, mm -hmm. you know, in, in theory, we have different 
end goals. So that transparency is not necessarily there. The collaboration isn't necessarily there. On a practical standpoint, I think the execution of personalization is not a strong suit of many 3PLs, to be honest. And so getting that process down to be able to do any kind of personalization is is definitely was a frustration and something they've mastered completely. They can turn around personalization much faster than any other 3PL I've ever dealt with. So, um, yeah, I think those were the main things. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's interesting because, you know, like you said, it's very much like transactional based in in a sense, Mm -hmm. right? And not necessarily that that partnership or or understanding that, you know, the the 3PL is like, you know, an additional arm to the business and, you know, it should be more of a a partnership, right? So, I mean, talk to us a little bit about you know, these kind of personalization and personal touches that you guys are doing for, for brands and and how that kind of comes into play and, and why that's so important for the success of your, your clients. Yeah. The whole world of 3PLs, I think, sort of has like a continuum from, you know, how customized they can be to how very little customization is is applicable. If you go on the one end of the spectrum of the very large guys, ship Bob, ship Monk, all of those guys, it's in their nature to be one-to-one. I, I would like one strategy that I get to do for all my clients because it's the most efficient when you're dealing with the mass number of clients they have. We're in the middle somewhere where we have the labor and we can manage the labor well to do those special things like you mentioned. So doing you know, custom handwritten notes or tissue wrapping or even refurbishing really for returns that come in. There's a, a, a host of services that are very labor intensive, but they're very value add for our type of clients, right? They're not value add for everybody, but they're value yeah. add for our type of client. I say personalization is a big one as well. There's a, a great deal of um, specialized knowledge you have to have to be able to do that well. Um, and an eye for detail and a, and a number of other things. We do embroidery, we do laser engraving, UV printing, we do a variety of things. And so all of that is very labor intensive. And so I think that's a big piece to it for us that that doesn't scare us. We're not a very big house that has to keep labor down. You know, we don't mind having skilled labor on our floor and keeping them, you know, engaged, et cetera. So I think that's where the personalization, the hand touch comes in most often on the floor necessarily. And then I would say just what I said before, that we try and treat all brands like they're an ex- like we're an extension of their business mm. and that our back office, you know, client success, business managers, my team, we are all focused, I think a little differently than maybe other 3PLs where we're focused on the 3PLs top line growing. Anything we can do to make their business grow, we will grow. Where I find, you know, rem- remember I, I was on the brand side for a long time. Right. And so my yeah. 3PLs that I dealt with, I found them more to be operators rather than revenue drivers. And so they were more in the mindset of, I just spent a dollar on that. And so I have to figure out how to charge the client a dollar 20. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. as opposed to saying, I spent a dollar on that to invest in that client. And the long term, that's going to grow their business. And then I win because as they grow their business, I grow my business. So that's sort of a, I think a mindset of, of high touch Mm -hmm. is really not just robotically getting and that was in a slam on robots, but not robotically getting <laughs> orders out the door, but really thinking like the brand, like how can I help them grow their business? That that kind of thing. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a very interesting perspective and take there because it, I mean, it is sometimes you, you see that where, you know, it's like, well, we're going to charge you for this and this and this and this and this and this and this, right. Instead of like yeah. thinking, like you said, like for the, the long term, it's like, well, you know, is this something that I should try and figure out how to charge for, or is this something that like, Hey, we're making this investment and this is going to help our client grow even more, which means, you know, right. we're going to get more volume and, you know, for us more volume, right. From a 3PL perspective is a great thing because it means yeah. more revenue. Right. So, yeah. uh, so yeah. I, I guess from that perspective too, I mean, when you're dealing with this personalization and these high touch points, you know, I imagine sometimes brands probably, don't necessarily understand or, or maybe don't realize like how much might be involved in trying to make something like that happen. So, so how do you work with the brand to figure out like, okay, how are we going to set up these processes to make them efficient, but then also, you know, have the brand realize like, you know, Hey, this is, this is kind of the undertaking that we're, we're doing here to, to make these things happen for you. We'll be back after a quick break. You hear a lot about supply chains these days, because if the past couple years have taught us anything, it's that an efficient, well-managed supply chain is absolutely critical to keeping businesses successful and consumers happy. I'm Will Haywood, and I host a podcast called All Business, No Boundaries, where we talk about supply chains, how they work, what happens when they don't, and the innovations that are redefining what's possible in the world of logistics. Join me for insightful interviews with thought leaders and industry experts. We discuss how optimizing supply chains can break down the barriers that are holding businesses back. That's All Business, No Boundaries by DHL Supply Chain. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, it's a really good point. Because you can't, you know, you're, it's supposed to be a partnership and mm-hmm. you're not supposed to, you know, try and extract value out of everything you do for the partner. You, you know, you're supposed to hope that they, that they appreciate the efforts that you put in behind the scenes. I, I think the key there is establishing expectations on both sides and goals, right? And so if we're both aimed and not, you know, not focusing too much on this is a lot of effort behind the scenes for us to get this done, where it's necessary for us to point that out, we do. Like if we say this is different from what anybody else in our building is asking us for or what we're used to in any other three fail, but we'll still do it for you. We will point it out. But for the most part, if you're focused on the same ultimate goals and expectations and you're both meeting one another's expectations, I feel like you don't have to say all of that behind it because there's a bigger goal, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes sense. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just thinking like about in, in terms of, I can imagine, like you mentioned the tissue paper wrapping or something like that. Like yeah. I, I can imagine like someone that starts a brand and, you know, they're not familiar necessarily with all those processes and the logistics side of things. And, yeah. you know, they're kind of like, oh, well, you know, how hard that could that be? Right. To, <laughs> to, yeah. to wrap oh, everything yeah, yeah. in okay. tissue before it goes out. Yeah. So we have an answer for that as well, where we, we like I, I, a lot of three fails, I think, do this, where we invite them in mm. and say, why don't you do it with us? We love clients who came from doing fulfillment themselves because they they have the best knowledge of you yeah. know how crazy the processes are in practicality. And so we often will invite them in and say, OK, why don't you do it with us? And like, let's look through. Let's make sure that 
this is worth it. You know, all that effort is really getting you. And we had a client who wanted to tissue wrap everything and then they were throwing it in a poly mailer. So by the time it got to the end customer, it looked terrible because the tissue was just getting all mangled. So they're like, all right, let's, let's walk through this. And, you know, a lot of times seeing it firsthand in person makes a huge difference with some of those things for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I can imagine that because you probably think in your head like this one image of oh that this is how the package is going to arrive, and then yeah, exactly. reality it's like oh wow, like that doesn't look that great. <laughs> yeah, um, that doesn't look that great. Yeah, yeah. So, so <laughs> what did you do wrong, three PL? <laughs> yes, yeah. Point the finger. Right yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean it, it's really interesting, and I, I think it's it's very interesting how you guys are, are taking on kind of these like high touch <clears throat> situations, and I, and I'm curious from. Um, the perspective of figuring out how to manage these processes and kind of engineer these processes internally within the the facility itself. I mean, how how do you go about making sure that you're you're doing these processes, even though they're personalized and high touch in like a standardized way, to be able to ensure like maximized efficiency and productivity, and that it's you know simple for the employees to do. How do you how do you manage all of that and and try and set that up. We, you know, on the one end, you you have a, a little bit of a cap in that you know what the value of that is practically. Again, just look because some of our brand experience, we know how much we'd really be willing, like how much that's actually worth to the end customer or to the brand itself. And so that's a little bit of your cap and your sort of reverse engineering. Well, if they're only going to pay X for it, what what amount of labor can we actually put towards it? How efficient can we make this process? And then, you know, constantly, the more volume you're doing at it, obviously, the more efficient you can make it across time, but making sure that it has that balance between what's what's the value of this at the end of the day, and then can we reverse engineer the labor? We try not to do anything as we do have a special project fee, as like a lot of people do, but we try not to do things as that, because as a brand, it's like, it's really hard to budget. It's really hard to understand where like true one-off projects, obviously you do that way, but everything else, we try to come up with a transactional price. This is the easiest for us from a billing. It's easiest for the client to budget. And that way you're really, you really are confining how much time you're going to put on it. So we do tremendous amount of time studies. Anytime there's a new, you know, wholesale, the wholesale channel brings a whole slew of new kind of packouts, new labeling requirements, et cetera, for, from the third parties. And so we'll time study it and say, okay, how much is this actually taking us? Okay. Let's pretend that, you know, after a little bit of time, we're going to get more efficient. So let's take a little bit off of what it took us the first time, et cetera. And so we're, we're trying to really put some science behind how we're, how we're pricing it and if it's worth it. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that makes sense. And uh, I mean, so when you look at that, I mean, how, I, I guess from a brand perspective, you know, I, I can imagine a brand would you know, maybe go a little crazy in some aspects with their imagination on what they could do, right. In terms of personalization or packaging or all those different types of things. I mean, how, how important is it, I guess, from from like a brand perspective to involve your your 3PL in, in those discussions as you're you're thinking about doing some type of maybe customized packaging or maybe like a special holiday bundle or or something like that? I mean, how how important is it to involve the 3PL in, in those discussions to make sure that you're you're doing something that's kind of um I guess in the end is is really feasible to do at scale. Yeah. I think I think for the most creative output, mm. 
you probably are best off doing the first pass. Like typically it's a creative team that is coming up with that side of things, not the operations team. And so I think the most creative output would be let them have their dream state. Like you just said, you know, what is the, (laughs) what is the ideal brand experience? And then the operations people can come to us to sort of path through, does it actually physically make sense or what is our best option for getting the same effect, but maybe in a more efficient way. So that's kind of where we go with the brand is we'll, we'll say, okay, give us like your end state that you want and let us figure out if there's a way to do it more efficiently or, you know, less, less expensively, or not crazy. You know, there, I mean, that comes in a lot of places. It's not just the unboxing. I would say it's also in, we, we've been having a lot of conversations recently around refurbishing for returns. Mm-hmm. It's another one where you kind of have to say, okay, Let's think about this practically, you know, do you really want to do dry cleaning on every item or should that be saved for certain price points? Like you, like I get what they want their end result to be, but Mm. to your point, you kind of have to path back with them of like what really makes sense, what's worth the energy and the money you're going to put into it. That answers your question. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering like, you know, how does that kind of impact on the the expectation (laughs) side and, you know, when brands, you know, run, run crazy with their dreams and, you know, uh, like how do you, uh, you know, gently let them down in some aspects maybe (laughs) or try and accommodate what they can do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So uh, it does take diplomacy. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah. You don't want to crush their dreams. You got to do it in a nice way, but (laughs) Yeah. It doesn't always happen. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I, I mean, I guess in that, that regard, I mean, what are, what are some of maybe the, the most like memorable or, or interesting kind of customizations or shopping experiences that you guys are, are creating for some brands? So I'd say one of the craziest packouts that did precede me, I was before I started here, we had a brand that wanted, there were probably, I think, five cents of dried petals that would get sprinkled in the box depending on what was in the box. And so it was custom based on what was in the box, oh, <laughs> which wow. okay. petals you would sprinkle in for that experience. So when you un when you opened up the box, the scent would all come out, which I mean that's a pretty am- amazing emotional yeah. experience to have the scent wafting out of the box as opposed to just bad cardboard smell. So that one was pretty, pretty amazing. Like, okay, it's a challenge. We take the challenge. We're gonna get it done. And 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 we did. But we have a lot of um we do have a, a clients that are asking for handwritten notes, which, you know, mm. that takes some work because you got to find people with appropriate handwriting, takes extra time, but, but it's worth it in a lot of cases. I would say we have a lot of interesting kidding. We have a candle brand that does mm. very specific packaging depending on what you bought. So their packaging is actually stored with the product. So if, if you mm. bought this three set, it goes in this beautifully printed box with the special matches or whatever it is that you have to put in the box. So there's a lot of that that requires a lot of attention to detail and then just set up you know, the right warehouse management tool, WMS, to have it set up the right way where it's actually easy for the people to execute, but looks unbelievable as the finished product. You know, it's yeah. it all comes down to components and that kind of thing. So those are some of the things off the top of my head. The personalization side, that one, I you know, that's a whole different thing. And as I said, it's a skill set. I'm going to say that probably too many times in this, but it's, um, you know, we do embroidery. That's no, you know, that we do it well, but that's not, you know, there are clients that have embroidery where you can pick on the bag where you want your embroidery. You can do, it's kids' bags. They can put the embroidery anywhere they want on the bag, multiple places. It could be emojis. It could be names. So that's pretty unique. 
we have gone out and researched and found new versions of engraving. So we do a lot of laser engraving, but it wasn't working on one quality of this keychain that one of our brands has because it was a synthetic fabric. So we went out and found a new type of engraving called CO2 engraving, because that would actually have a better impact on the type of product. So there's a lot of that too, where we go out and kind of, you know, do go go above and beyond if it if the business is there and warrants it for them we'll go research it and find it and you know present it back to them to to help them grow their business hmm. interesting yeah yeah that pedals one is is pretty pretty interesting <laughs> I, I find that's really interesting yeah. I, I can imagine though like you said i mean a pretty pretty incredible experience like to open the box and have like that that smell come out to you, which would be really interesting. So, I I mean, in that regard, when you talk about these types of things and, you know, these different types of of packaging sets and all these things, I mean, how do you, because, you know, it's very much more involved than just a typical, you know, pick and pack situation, right? So from a employee and, and labor perspective, uh, how do you make sure that you're, I guess, retaining employees? Because I imagine it takes a little extra training when some of these like higher touch things are happening. How do you make sure like you're you're retaining those employees and you know building up those skill sets that so that they're able to handle these things that are a little more complex than the traditional pull it off the shelf, put it in a box. Yeah, exactly. So I think you hit it on the head. There, there's definitely a lot that you have to do to maintain. Mm-hmm maintain the employees and the consistency. We have dedicated packouts for our clients, no matter the size, like they will have their own packout stations mm. with the people that are purposely trained on that packout. Now, people are cross-trained across brands for our flexibility because we have some brands that surge at different times than others, and that gives us labor flexibility. Yeah. But there's very detailed training that goes on, and then you're dedicated. So you get, you know, you're, we have uh, very good retention rates in this building. I think we are at 75% FTEs in here, which is pretty good. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of competition around us in New Jersey for people. So that it's, it's definitely really important for us to keep them. I think we offer very, and because they're full time, you know, they get off, offered benefits, et cetera. So that whole thing breeds a lot of loyalty, which is, which is really helpful for that promise. You're, you're definitely right on that. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I was curious about that because it, it is, you know, a little more complex as we've been talking about. And it's great that you're, you're focused on that. And I love the idea of having those separate pack out stations too, because I imagine, you know, the little, whether it's tissue paper or pedals that have to go in there, right? It's, it's hard to imagine if you're trying to do multiple brands at one pack out station, you would have just you know, shelf after shelf yeah. or cubby after cubby with all these different little things that you have to worry about. So I think it's very yeah, smart. Exactly. And yeah. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. So, so I, I guess as we kind of wrap up the conversation here, I mean, from a brand perspective and a, and a brand, you know, trying to look for a 3PL and, and understand a 3PL, I mean, what, what would you say is the probably most important thing for a brand to consider and, and to look for when they're looking for that, that 3PL and that logistics uh, fulfillment provider? You know, I really, it's, it's the, it's the team. They feel like they have that collaborative relationship with like through the sales process. I mean, you could be sold and, you know, a sales team are very capable of making you feel like a very collaborative process, but everyone you meet along the line and the most important thing for you to ask for in the in the process as a brand is to meet everyone along the line and spend some time and really prolong that warehouse tour so you can meet as many people as you can because that collaborative relationship 
I think is really the key. Because if you don't have the ability to speak openly and honestly with one another about what's your needs, like there shouldn't be that relationship I mentioned in the very beginning that it's mm. that it's meant to be like an us versus them kind of thing. It can't be. Otherwise, it's so unproductive because then you're just fighting on every little tiny thing. It's not an easy thing to to screen out, but the the collaborative relationship that you can develop with that partner. You can also get that out of references, you know, references you find behind the scenes and then the references the um, 3PL gives you. But I think that's really, really imperative. We were just talking about that too, because we find we have a few consultants we deal with and where there were lovely, lovely teams that, that are very good to us. However, that relationship piece is lost because you have a go-between you know what I mean? Like the, yeah. the consultant is dealing majority of the time with the brand. And so we've said to a few of them, like, yeah, we're kind of missing a little piece of the process here of where we really shine mm -hmm. because it's just numbers on a piece of paper. There's no, you know, we try and put it in, you know, the, the verbiage that we give, but it's not the same thing. So yeah. it's an interesting subject. It's not, you know, people are often going to RFPs. It feels like a right that they have to do. You know, it's a step that they have to do to, you know, especially larger brands. So anyway, we, we, we're always talking about how do we get a little of the personal touch into that? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> get the relationship building back into the RFP process. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Like, um, as you pointed that out with the, the consultant kind of in the, the middle, I, I think, how do you, because I, I think, I mean, I've certainly seen like a lot, a lot more of that popping up, right? Always like these in-betweens that are, you know, whether they're like a, a 4PL or 5PL or something, or it's just a consultant that's, you know, just matching up brands with 3PLs or, or something of that nature. I mean, how, how do you kind of navigate that in a sense and, and maybe try and keep that relationship with the, the brands, you know, while still navigating with somebody in between. I mean, it, it sounds like that's a little, a little complicated maybe. It is. It's, it's come up a few times in the best case scenario, we actually have a relationship with the brand outside and then we get that they need to go through the formal process. Nobody feels good about just the first brand, you know, first three PL they meet partnering up with everybody's going to feel like unless you're tiny as i said if you're medium to large size brands you feel like that's your due diligence you have to have so you still, you still have to develop those relationships we try to still develop the relationship outside of the consultant not during the rfp process but separately just to make sure that they there's faces behind the name in the in the in the rfp to be honest and then we do give the feedback to the consultants just you know letting them know that that is one of our strengths is is the team here and the team's ability to understand how to grow a brand and so it's a disservice to the brand really if you're not going to entertain that piece for everybody in the rfp not not just for us so you know we we push it and then we do we do send decks along with the response that's you know sort of the uh, standard response that the rfp um, consultant is asking for we send a separate deck that sort of speaks to what we've understood their challenges are and mm how we think that we're different. Hopefully they read the deck, but you know, it's just yeah. anywhere we can get the point across. Um, we try to. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it sounds like a, it sounds like all around the, the customer experience, whether it's for your clients or your potential clients that become your customers are, are really important, which I think is such a, a great takeaway from this to be able to, to understand that and make sure that, you know, you're giving that, that personal touch overall and that you're understanding this relationship that you're trying to build in that partnership. So it's really interesting to talk to you today, Kate, and, and find out about outer space and, and all these kind of 
little complexities that you guys take on with happiness and, and bring these great experiences to your customers' customers. But as we wrap up here, you guys are also opening a, a new building, I understand as well, on the yeah. in Arizona, yeah. I think. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So we have a new building that is 400,000 square feet. The build is the biggest for us to date mm. in Phoenix. Okay. And it is, it's open where you have a few clients that are potentially splitting to there in Q1. So it's mm. very exciting because then that establishes us, you know, most people know of outer space as a New Jersey warehouse, because this is where we were founded, where I'm sitting in Carlstadt. Mm-hmm. But we opened in Pennsylvania earlier this year in a 225,000 square foot building that is probably half full already after three months, you know, we're, we're growing very rapidly. And so now we have a national footprint, which is lovely because then, you know, we have a whole shipping program that we can use that helps clients split inventory east, west, or just clients that are West Coast centric now have a place to go with, with us, which is really exciting. It's part of our expansion. Who knows where the next place will be that we will do in the next 12 to 20. That'll be the next uh, <laughs> podcast you and I do. <laughs> yeah, definitely. We'll, we'll do one uh, on the next one. So maybe we'll yeah. do the next one at the new building. Maybe we could do something yeah, like that. Yeah, that'd be fun. That'd be cool. Absolutely. Yeah, do definitely. a pick and pack party. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love that. Hey, I love to pick and pack. So we could do that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so very interesting and, and very exciting for you guys. Congratulations on the continued expansion. And it's great to talk to you today. If people want to learn more about outer space, maybe they want to put some stuff in that Arizona building. What's the best way to get in touch and find out more? Yeah, so you can look me up on LinkedIn and ping me directly. We also have a forum on our website, outerspace.com. And uh, you fill that out and we get back to you very quickly. Just, you know, give us your email address, et cetera. So there's lots of ways of getting in touch with us, but we welcome new inquiries all the time. All right. Here to, here to help. All right. Great. Thank Abby. you for having me, Kevin. No problem. <laughs> Happy to have you. And we'll definitely put all that information about outer space at the new warehouse.com as well. So people can easily great. find it. So Kate, thank you once again for joining me on the show today. You've been listening to the New Warehouse Podcast with Kevin Lawton. Subscribe and check us out online at thenewwarehouse.com. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you want more content from the New Warehouse, check out our new video series called All Hands on LinkedIn. Just search for The New Warehouse on LinkedIn and follow along.